Chicago base, yes. Yeah. Uh, right now I'm in our Dallas office though. We got a small office here. Wow, hello everyone, we are live. Welcome to the weekly show of Classroom Without Wars. On this show, on every Wednesday, I go live at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and I interview leading social media digital marketers to come to the show and to share with us their best practices and secrets to help us future-proof our businesses. And uh, today we are talking about something that I am very excited about and I want to learn more about. And uh, it is something that I think you will also be highly interested in. And it is how we can make others be so excited about our brand, our services, our products, so that they can't stop talking about us. And uh, my guest of honor, Nick Pauls, is the CEO and chief brand strategist for No Limit Agency, uh, which is a full communication service, a full service, full communication service that really bridges, uh, kind of merges PR, social media, advertising, content writing, they bring all of those together to help you grow your brand and service. And Nick is also an author, and we are also going to talk more about his book approaching the end of our show today. And you can learn more about book writing and uh, what the book is about. And uh, we are live on LinkedIn. We are live on Periscope, on YouTube, and Facebook. So let me know in the comment section where you are joining us live from, social media-wise and uh, geographically speaking. And my dear friend Peter is in the comment section really active on different social media platforms monitoring people's comments and questions. If you have a question related to what we're discussing today, how to make others talk about you nonstop, make sure to tag Peter in the comment section if I happen to miss your question. And uh, without any further ado, and welcome to the show, Nick. What a wonderful entrance, I love it. Thank you for, uh, thank you for having right. me. Yeah, anything you want to add? to my very brief uh, introduction so we can get to know you a little bit more? Um, I mean, there's plenty I can add, but boy, you you make me smile. That energy, if anybody's having a bad day, just watch <laughs> this, this is this is fantastic. Uh, a bunch of people join us uh, live from Sydney. Thank you so much. It is already Thursday for those people. So thank you for joining us live. And let me know in the comment section if you have any questions. So Nick, Today, we are pretty much talking about how we can get more buzz, you know, other people talk about us. And in one of your uh, interviews last year, you made a very uh, good statement. I want to ask you and to explain. You said in the interview, PR is what you pray for and advertising is what you pay for. So I really love the distinction. I wonder if you can unpack this us a little bit more and explain the differences to us. So our business works with plenty of uh, business owners, uh, small and emerging to established. Um, and you know, you would, you, we would get the, the comment, well, I want my ad to run in this Sunday's newspaper. I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, an ad is what you pay for. Uh, that reporter, they're not at your control. You don't get to pick what day it runs and how it runs. You don't get to edit it before it goes live. 
a reporter is an artist, and as an artist, they want to tell the story the way that they want to tell it. Uh, most brands push brand. Uh, you see, look, new restaurant opening, or look at this business that just popped into the marketplace. Mm -hmm. um, reporters don't get excited about that, neither do you and I, because there's no human interest. Um, the stuff that you pray for is really when you can humanize a brand. So when you can put a face behind your story, now it changes uh, the possibilities of what it can become. So PR is what you pray for. It, it is what you pray for. You're, you're asking an artist, a journalist, to tell your story, um, to interview you, and deliver it in whatever publication or audience distribution that they have. Um, that is that that takes prayer. Uh, you, I can I cannot I cannot make you put me on your podcast. Uh, I had to give you a story that you thought was um, sound back to the audience that would watch this. Um, and then there's outlets where you say uh, pay pay the money and it can it can run. Um, in today's uh, media world, uh, there is a giant shift happening where content is becoming more and more paid. Uh, that's influencer marketing, uh, where you're paying uh, a voice to go distribute your name. Uh, that's within a Today Show, where you're paying for a product placement that's in the movies. Um, paid has gone front and center because uh, traditional journalism uh, is struggling to find ways to find profit. So therefore, they're trying new uh new tools. So PR is what you pray for. It's the earned stuff. It's the stuff that doesn't cost anything extra. Uh, just the delivery of a really good story and advertising what you pay for. Uh, you can pay for an ad to show up wherever you want it to. Well, I love this because you really helped me kind of even like picture this in my mind, you know, like the story. If this is the story that I will want another person to pray for. So I love that. And you mentioned, which is actually one of my questions, and uh, there's so much paid, like traffic, paid ad, paid content sponsored. You see that on Facebook all the time, on Twitter, every single place. You know, nowadays LinkedIn, people are doing more and more paid. So do you think there is still room for organic story? Like for people like most of us, we already have uh, 20, 25, more than 25 people joining us live right now. Many people join us live. We are like small business owners, entrepreneurs. We don't have a huge budget for marketing, for Facebook ads, which is getting more and more expensive. So yeah. do you think there is still room for people like us? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a great question and plenty to unpack there. Um, so, so one, in, in today's world, we are hammered with content. Um, and it's all over the place. Uh, we probably find majority of our news uh, from Facebook or LinkedIn news feeds. That's where we we gain it today because those are the tools that we're using. Um, or you know, we check online sites throughout the day. There is no longer you go home and watch the five o'clock news to understand what happened during the day. You already know. So we are in a world where we are inundated with with content. Second point would be. Um, you know, when, when we were all in high school, uh, we, we fought for the, you know, the, the volume of signatures that we got in our yearbooks uh, versus getting the right people that actually cared about us to sign it. If you only had five signatures and those are your friends in your, in, your, in your yearbook, you were considered unpopular. 
So our brains have been trained that we're going after uh, the popularity contest. It was like, why, why we're spending so much money to get likes on Facebook that have no value today. It's because we as humans are trained that, that size matters. Um, and the argument that I would make is it doesn't. It's about the right audience. If the 25 people that are watching this right now are the right 25 people to watch this right now, then both you and I win. But you know, you say 25, someone might say, you only have 25 people that watch this? That's nothing, but, but that's not right. That's not the right way to look at it. So with brands, when they're, when they're talking about lead generation, I hear it all the time. I need more leads, get me more leads. I want more leads. And they're like, mm -mm. you need more deals. And mm -hmm. sometimes hyper-focused on what you're trying to achieve is what wins. If you think about the way that you read a newspaper today, let's, let's pretend that everybody on this, on this uh, mm -hmm. webinar uh, would go and get a newspaper, you might not read from section one to the back. You might go to sports first or business first. We, we read it in the way that's custom to us, and that's the mm -hmm. beauty of the news feed today. At least in theory, the algorithms are delivering us the content that is relevant to us. And when it's not, we just wait. We go right past it and we find something that's relevant. So yes, there is room to still find organic in this marketplace as long as you set the right expectations on what should come out of it. And maybe 25 of the right people is the right answer versus 100,000 of people that don't care. Totally. You know, we all know the story. I think uh, like last year or so, influencer, right? Millions of followers was trying to sell t-shirt. And like how many people about six or five, right? So I, I love that. You know, I believe the same quality over quantity. And you uh, at a no limit agency, you guys help people get press coverage, media coverage, and you have helped so many brands, even yourself. You got an interview with a Fox business, congratulations. And I wonder if you can share some insights with us after helping so many people securing media coverage, is there a list of core qualities that as businesses, brands, entrepreneurs, that we need to embody in order for those like media companies to be interested in our story? So like certain things that we, we do to make us make us more, I guess, newsworthy. Yeah, so insight one is I have a face for radio, so you shouldn't even be showing my face on here. So maybe the Fox business one was not the right placement for me. Um, because I, I should just be to go like this. Um, all right, in, in, here, here, here are the insights as it relates to PR. Um, we did a study to try to get the value of it so that we understood on the front end what would be winning for a brand because there, there are agencies that will throw out, here's the value of, of your PR hits and PR value and ad value. Those are garbage numbers. So those are irrelevant because at the end of the day, it's, are we driving your bottom line, yes or no? So what we did is we looked at the consistency of press as it related back to lead generation. And we found that no matter what the size of the placement was, small or large, weeks we got press, leads go up, weeks we didn't, leads go down. It was at least an insight to know that consistency is king. So whatever, whatever brand exists, whoever's watching this, one, build a cadence of what stories can you tell? That could be new openings, signings, uh, real estate selection, new product launches, you start building out your cadence so that you have these buckets and then you try to create a consistency of how you deliver that message outbound. Second mm -hmm. point is, uh, and, and there's there's millions of examples of this, but I say brands don't sell brands, people do. Uh, mm -hmm. Apple has Steve Jobs, 
Sony had this guy, Nobutashi. Nobutashi created the Walkman, the digital camera, and the camcorder. Arguably three of the inventions that all of us carry in the pocket, thanks to the way that cell phone technology has gone. So arguably one of the greatest inventors of our lifetimes, uh, they both die in the same year. One leaves the world forgotten. One, one is still talked about today. Sony never, as a brand, chose to put people first. It was just Sony. That doesn't make it a bad brand. It just doesn't let it go to great. So if you're going to go use PR, my advice is humanize the story. Brands don't sell brands. People do. Tell your personal story. That will get you front and center with members of the media because at the end of the day, they are the same as us. They're humans who like talking about things that seem cool and seeing things that seem cool is how, how, how did our journeys get us to this point today? Wow, I love that. So when you said brands don't sell brands, people do. That is so powerful. It really showed us, you know, the the importance of humanizing us and uh, and uh, like add a human touch to what we do, what we sell. And at No Limit Agency, I know you guys have a very successful model to help people share their stories, communicate their stories. So uh, maybe you can talk uh, talk to us more about the model that you guys have. I know it has four elements. You hunt stories, you perfect stories, you tell stories, you market stories. And I think each element is so powerful. So maybe you can explain each of the four elements sure. to and how you, how you use that. Yeah. And I I, ideally, I want to I want to get whoever's watching this. I want you guys to understand how to perform the model on your own versus using an agency so that you at least understand that there, there are ways that you can win um, by, by, by telling your, your, your own story in the right cadence. So for, first thing, and I think, I think this is very important, um, in today's world, it's not necessarily what publication runs your story, it's what you do with it. Um, we found, and, and this is this brings us to how we deliver content well past the, the point of first uh, publish, um, is all these brands would get PR, whether it was you know the, the Fox Fox hit that, that I may have been on, or a Wall Street Journal, or a local hit, or a TV set, whatever it was, or, or something like this. And what would happen is you, you, you take this podcast, and it would air one time. We have the live audience that's watching it. It'll get redistributed in the feed. That's it. That's the lifeline of this podcast. And what would happen is majority of brands would say, great, I was on this. Awesome. And maybe if we're lucky, they put it on the website and in their news section that just collects dust. But the reality is anytime you have an opportunity to talk about your, your brand story or your personal story, that turns into an asset that should be marketed. My belief is that when social media came out, uh, brands quickly went to media. They didn't understand the word social and the reality is social is conversation. So if you look at all brands and social media today, it's buy my burger, buy my burger, buy my burger versus, hey fans, what should our next burger be? Or what is the worst part of our burger? How do we make this better? Or mm -hmm. hey, what, what is the best experience you had in our brand? There's no conversation, so it's just media. And then with content marketing, right now it's just content. It's like I wrote a blog. Uh, okay, are you gonna do anything with it? Yeah, I, I put it up on my LinkedIn. But then you don't tie the other things like PR, like marketing, like newsletter distribution. It's one dimensional. So those of you that are watching, 
it's yes, I, I've talked about the consistency of press that will have the biggest impact, but I can take this podcast and repost it three weeks from now, a year from now, five years from now. I might put in the comments at the top, here's what's changed since we have this awesome discussion. So mm-hmm. it's it's more so what you do with things once you've you've secured a story. The other thing is look at look at data. Data is beautiful today and in the most simplistic way where you don't need some fancy agency to come in there and, and analyze your data. Go on your Google Analytics and watch where are people coming from, what content are they reading on their site, the insights are there, and then that's your PR stories. You'll know what stories to deliver. That's the hunting of things that you probably have so many things sitting in front of you that all it takes is you sitting down and saying, let's try to use a little bit of, of knowledge base that we already have to figure out what are the most important things to tell tell them and then do something with it. It's very fundamental. Nothing we do is rocket science. Uh, all, all I think it is, is doing the blocking and tackling that creates good moments for brands that's consistent. So whoever the persona buyer is, we're giving enough layers so that when they're doing their homework and research, they can feel comfortable with whatever decision they're making. I want to ask you another kind of follow-up question. Are you saying that even for stories that we publish, Maybe like last year, we can still kind of bring the story back and then give this an update. So One, that- yeah, yeah, but it's even it's even bigger than that. Let's say, let's say you run I don't know you you run a guitar store, and uh, Bob's guitar store gets an article uh, in the Wall Street Journal. You're like, well, that's unfair. I want to be in that story. Well, through fair use, what you do is you take that headline, Bob's guitar featured in Wall Street Journal, comma. Here's what we have to say. And you provide the quote like you were interviewed for the Wall Street Journal. Now, from a content standpoint, you just use the term Wall Street Journal, which adds credibility. You use your competitor, so when they search for Bob's guitar, they can find you as well, and you added your point of view all by leveraging content that's already been created. That's, that's, that's easy. So all you have to do is get into the discussion by leveraging things that already exist and adding your insights into it. So take press that ran five years, 10 years, 30 years ago, it doesn't matter as long as you're willing to update with your point of view. And that could just be at the, literally at the comment section on LinkedIn. You put, you put the link and then you put the comment at the top and say, hey, had we been interviewed in this story, here's what we would have said. Yeah, I, I, I love this. You just give me an idea because right after I started my own journey, I got featured on Forbes. So in that article, I listed like 12 lessons I learned from being an entrepreneur for a year. So now maybe it is time for me to revisit that article and give that list an update. I love 12, it. 12, 12 times. You have 12 tips. So on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, for 12 days, you republish what your tip was and you spread it out, spread it off over the course of three months, six months, so that you're hitting it again because you know that the credibility of Forbes gave you the right content and now you don't even have to think about new content. You, you have it right there. Uh-huh. I love it because sometimes for one piece of content I produce, I spend hours, especially nowadays, I don't know if you guys are as nerdy as I am regarding LinkedIn. I'm obsessed with the LinkedIn documents feature. And sometimes I really spend hours trying to produce a piece of document. And you just give me an idea to really like, you know, spread it. And uh, yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah, so great. So that's the first element, you know, you go hunt stories. And the second one in your model, so uh, which is to, what's the second one? <laughs> to perfect stories. So how can we make our stories be more perfect? Yeah, so 
the amount of times, and I'll, I'll give you two routes. Route one is uh, we once had a client call us and they're like, this is garbage. They quoted me exactly. I'm like, huh? Is that what you want? Don't you want the reporter to quote you exactly the way you want it? And then the other swing is, I never said that. Okay, yeah, I, I, I don't believe you, but you know, may, maybe that's true. But again, taking the same model that we just talked about, you take it, you still leverage the fact that you're in it, and you write again what you would have said, and you put that through your marketing channels, and you win. So the perfecting of story happens after it runs, and you also say, I will, and we, we like to do this. We like to go through um, like a mock interview at the beginning of a relationship. And then we write out, this is the story that we would write if we were writing this. And the client goes, I don't want it to say that. Great. Let's, let's go back through how you answer these questions so that the finished product matches what you want from your expectation standpoint. That's the perfection of the story. Um, but, but understand our life story is always evolving until we're gone. Um, and the odds of it being perfect are probably not great. Um, so sometimes good is better than perfect. Yeah, I, I love this. And I see actually we have almost 40 people joining us live right now from quite a few different countries. Thank you so much for joining us live. And today we are right now we're talking about how can make other people talk about you, how to build raving fans. And uh, and I see this question from quite a few people in the live audience. And you were talking about, I think that's also the third element, how to tell our stories. And you talk so much, Nick, regarding like bring the social back to social media and humanizing our brand. I wonder, you know, if you can give us some tangible examples. We all know, you know, be a human. That is really important. But quite a few people, and myself included, we struggle. How can we humanize our brand? Like maybe you can give us some examples. Uh, yeah, follow you on LinkedIn because you talk about your life story all the time. Whether you're making a, a career shift, whether you have guests on your show, like it, ha like we do it without even knowing. And and you, you are right. There there are plenty of people that say, well, you know, I don't have that interesting of a story. I promise you, if you're watching this right now, you've done something before this point to get to here, mm -hmm. or internally you're motivated to do something awesome. You just don't know what yet. So you're looking to this for inspiration. But the point is you're, you're, you're at this seat. You have come this far. So we all have human interest stories. My belief, um, and we'll talk about this later as it, it relates to this, this uh, dust collector book that I, that I wrote. But um, my belief is that everybody that gets to having some success in life has some sort of painful moment that they've gone through. And it's, it's varying degrees. Uh, for me, when I was in high school, I was 305 pounds. Um, I battled weight issues. That created a lot of challenges for me as a, as a young kid, like being bullied. Um, and eventually that turned into fuel for my story. So I'm comfortable telling that, that sometimes being vulnerable and saying, this is how I got there. But as, as simplistic as possible, what's your job? What do you do on a daily basis? How do you impact people on a daily basis? You can extract answers that humanizes your story fairly easy as long as you're willing to go there. And if you're not, then, you know, un unfortunately, you might not get the best media coverage that exists. You might get that, hey, your business just opened and people won't be able to relate to you and your sales won't do what you want it to do. So, you know, it's it, it, the, probably the most powerful magic tool that we have as human beings is choice. Mm -hmm. So you 
to decide that you're well, willing to be vulnerable and share things that might relate to someone else. Uh, again, brands don't sell brands, people do. And we relate to humans and we buy because of like me's. We see our friends driving a car. We want to drive that car. We see our friends wearing shoes. We want to wear their shoes. We see them post about a restaurant. We want to go to the restaurant. And it's not just our friends. It's, it's, it's strangers as well. Um, so knowing that you have the choice to determine how you extract your own human interest story is, is su super powerful. You, you got to decide that you're willing to do it. All of us have human interest stories. All of us have done something to get to this point. Oh, I love this. You know, like last year, those of you, many of you have been following my story. I resigned from my professor position. And uh, like a few days ago, I shared a video of our very first program last year uh, in December in Singapore. So I shared that article and so many people have actually reached out to me and they all resonated so much with my story. And especially in the sense that the traditional educational model was broken, is broken. And uh, so I, I, I can definitely see what you are talking about here, you know, having a story. And so people can like, if you like really aligned with you and they want to connect with you, they want to be part of whatever movement that you are creating. So yeah. that's a, a, gr a great tip. Yeah. So we discussed our uh, three elements and of this model. And the last one is market and how to market yourself. So maybe you can unpack sure. that class a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll say that LinkedIn and Facebook advertising is some of the smartest advertising that exists. If you really nail who your persona is, then all the dollars that you spend can go to that exact person in the exact market that you're trying to improve your brand in. So even if you're a local business, you don't want to spend dollars in a Wall Street Journal because that goes across the entire country. You want to spend it directly in the market that you're in. So if you look at those two areas as part one in paid, how do we maximize the eyeballs on a story? It's very easy to, to buy an ad and boost the awareness of it. There are still some brands that think that getting likes uh, is the outcome. Again, we've already talked about this. It's getting action. Uh, you're trying to get sales or measurable sales out of something. Um, so when you're buying these ad campaigns, you wanna watch what, is, what are the triggers looking like? What is your cost per click? Primarily, impressions are irrelevant. Um, you're looking for the action. Um, then you look at your own uh, one degree of separation. Uh, that can be newsletters that you have. Uh, that could be using LinkedIn Pulse to post that piece of content that you've secured. Uh, that could be uh, take take a Five Guys, the the burger brand. You walk in any Five Guys, you see all this press on the wall. Um, and you know, they might say on the outside, best burger in the world. And then it's small little letters. It says some small dinky publication in the middle of nowhere. That's a brand that's saying, Hey, let's market all the press that we have. Let's market all of our moments. Let's put it in every restaurant. And then what that does is it creates the perception that there's tons of buzz behind that brand. So really you start doing some of the blocking and tackling. You do a little bit of paid, a little bit of social, a little bit of content, you put it up on your website, send it out to your mailing list, you put it up in your business. All of a sudden you take a few of these steps and all of a sudden now you're extending the reach. So if something, if the most important thing in the world to everybody on this, on this podcast is airing right this second and we can't see it because we're all on this podcast, the only chance we're gonna have to see that is if someone shares it in our social networks or it's get advertised to us later on or we find it organically on accident in the future, even though the most important thing in the world piece of content could be airing right this second and we don't see it, 
But again, brands that are smart, take that moment, knowing that all of us, all, all 42 of us are paid attention to this now, and they deliver it back to us through through paid or distribution models. Um, so make sure that it, your, your content is accessible and that you're leveraging it as a part of your story. Oh, wow. I, that's really, really powerful. So how do you guys, like for a piece of content that you kind of share some examples, how do you guys like maximize the value of that piece of content, maximize the value of that story? What do you do? What are the steps you follow? Uh, either person content or like what do you do to maximize? Sure. So let's take your your twelve step Forbes story. So you have twelve you have twelve tips that you've given. Uh, you have the Forbes headline. So featured in Forbes. Here's the headline. Here's tip one. We take that and now you might turn that into an infographic. So you hand it over to your someone that does some creative for you and say, take my headshot and put this into a quote. And then you take that, There's now we have two pieces of content off of the same tip. Then you might jump on here and do a quick recording of it to say, hey, I wanna expand on this, let me just give you that. Now we have a video on top of it. Then you go and you go across all of your social networks where you have different audiences and different personas. Let's say you have Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Uh, so then you go post a quote on there. So now, now we're, we've increased it even more. You take now tip one and you put that in a headline of an email and you send that out. Now you take tip one and go put it on your website and say tip of the day. So now all of a sudden you've created 12 pieces of content off of one single tip, which I, without spending too much time, the video may have taken 10 minutes to film. Uh, mm -hmm. You And you can do it with your iPhone too. Uh, the creative piece might've had to been outsourced. So just be s simple about it. That's tip one, you multiply that times tip 12, now we have 120 pieces of content that continue to tell something that we know is valuable that takes the Forbes logo that gives me credibility on my tips and I deliver it out in a way that's productive. It's not brain surgery, it's very fundamental. Most brands look at that Forbes piece and say, awesome, we were in Forbes, yay, hey audience, I, I was in Forbes, one and done and never use it and touch it again. Yet there was 120 pieces of content that you could have used. Wow, you you really uh, give me a, a mental shift. You know, I, I think what I what I struggle with, or maybe what I enjoy the most, is actually creating new content. But you really, and that takes so much time. And if I, I want to do this as a marketer, I really have to figure out ways to maximize the value of the content that I have already created. Wow, that's great. I, I, I see quite a few comments from people. Everybody's going to go back to revisit their old content and figure out ways to repurpose. I love that. Yeah, so tag, tag me so I can see. So here's a really great question from Joanna. Thank you for joining us live. And she asked, you know, like I agree, like she believes in storytelling, but there are so many people like shouting and screaming, hey, look at me, and with no authenticity. So she wonders uh, if you can share with us what are the key points for an authentic social media presence? Yep, so it's gonna depend on the platform and I've, I've done a lot of studying for this. I mean, Facebook has zero reach. So on a brand page, unless you're willing to spend dollars, um, you're not gonna get many people interacting, but it's still called social media. So when you post on your personal profile to your personal network, it can have reach. So. When you say, go buy my burger, of course nobody cares about that. When you're like, hey, you know what? I had the most amazing burger in my life at this restaurant. What's your favorite restaurant? All of a sudden you created engagement uh, through a question that is storytelling. Um, on LinkedIn, it's interesting. So 
I've studied this in many ways, and I am definitely not the LinkedIn influencer that others are. Um, I'll post on Pulse sometime, and I'm like, this is the most amazing piece of content I've ever written. Uh, and then seven people read it because LinkedIn has zero reach as well. But oddly, if I post a picture of my two children um, that say, hey, th these are the things that make me get up every morning. I'm, I'm super proud of what they're accomplishing. All of a sudden, I get tons and tons of reaction. Um, and so the insight there is, uh, when you sell, uh, you probably don't get much. Uh, when you are willing to be personal, and it goes back to still being that that human human side uh, that get reach on Facebook. If I whine about a sports team, uh, which I do plenty of that when I'm watching my Chicago sports teams because um, they don't win that often, uh, I, I usually get some feedback from other people that can relate to the pain that I go through. So knowing your audience, one. Um, creating a brand voice that that speaks specifically to that audience. Uh, being authentic is just being you. Uh, I don't I don't think we need to try to impress anyone. And I, I agree with you. There are plenty of people that are like, look at me, look at me, look at me. Um, I, I just don't think that's that's as authentic. And, you know, I, I get it. That goes back to my popularity comments that we're all trying to, you know, be the, the king of the castle or the, you know, the, the prom king or queen. Um, mm -hmm but it's, it's, it's about authentic and it's not about the numbers. It's about the right people paying attention to what you're saying. Exactly. I also love how you mentioned earlier, you know, really allow yourself to be vulnerable. And uh, I, I wonder like if there's, I, to me, I think there's a fine line, right? And many of us, we are, you want to be vulnerable, but I wonder if there's a, a, a like extent that you can be too vulnerable to the extent that you are going to hurt your brand and yeah. turn people off. So like, what's your approach to that? Like how, to what extent do you allow yourself, your personal brand or no limit agency, your company's brand to be vulnerable? Yeah, so it, it's vulnerable with with purpose. I mean, I'll, I'll, you know, the, the political landscape is what it is. And I'll say that the saddest thing about our political landscape, in my opinion, uh, is in, in previous elections of presidents, uh, you know, your neighbor puts up a sign for Democrats and you put up a sign for Republicans. Uh, uh, president gets elected, signs come down, your grandmother passes away, your neighbor brings over pasta and says, I'm sorry that your family has to go through it. In this election, you vote for Trump, someone did not, uh, you get hate mail, the other person ruins the friendship, you guys now fight, your grandparent dies, there's no pasta that comes over, there's no apology. It's so black and white. Okay, what's the insight? Don't write about politics. There's no upside that comes from it. You're not You're not gonna benefit from it. So use your brain, uh, know whatever you're writing about, that if it carries anything that can be potentially offensive to sex, to race, to politics, probably not gonna impact your brand positively. So don't be dumb is my advice. Um, and then when you're vulnerable, think about what people want to, you to be vulnerable about. Um, I posted uh, on all my social channels, uh, I had not seen below 200 pounds on a scale uh, since the sixth grade. I hit that last, uh, last uh, winter um, and I posted 199.9 on a scale uh, with my ugly foot tattoo that I had, uh, but it was vulnerable of me. But I wanted to say, not not just for me. Wait, yes, I, it was a proud moment for me um, that I've battled the entire the entirety of my life. Um, but I also wanted someone to say, "Hey, you know what? If you can do it, I can do it." And and I felt good about trying to inspire someone in a way that wasn't 
uh, offensive. So my ultimate advice on being vulnerable is don't be stupid, don't be dumb, uh, stay out of politics. If you, if you care about how other people are going to think, if any topic is, is, uh, is, has, has polar black and white responses, avoid it. Uh, cause I'm not sure much good is going to come out of it. I love that. I also love that kind of personal example where you are sharing your weight. Now, as I think about my own stories, my own experience, and also last year, I had my dear friend Jeff Hunter to be on the show. And he also, he's really active on Facebook. So what he and his team did was they analyzed the entire year of their content on Facebook. I don't even know, 3,000 pieces of content. And so they selected, they identified the top performing pieces of content. They are all related to personal stories or he put himself in a vulnerable spot, talking about himself, his career transition. So what you just shared reminds me of that. And I think the, the challenge is how can we you know, figure out ways to integrate what we do for like our businesses and to, to merge the two, you know, the personal element, the human element, the vulnerability, and what we do as a business owner. And I, I think that is an art and science. Yeah. 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 You're right. There's, there's an art to it, but you got to start somewhere. Um, don't, don't focus on quantity of, of content, focus on the quality. It goes back to the less could be potentially more for your business. Um, and know who your audience is. If you run a restaurant brand, um, crowdsource, use them to be a part of the discussion as you're thinking about products. Um, if you run your real estate agents, uh, you are the person, you are the business. Um, mm -hmm. Write about things that are relevant to your family or what you personally like about the house that you're trying to sell. Be, yeah. be exposed. So it, it all depends on what your business is and what you're trying to accomplish. Um, you know, I, I here here here's a here's a true statement. I look at our um, our business's social media. I had a, I had a moment last year. Uh, we we posted something about two people wearing the same shirt, and I was like, "This is driving me nuts. This is not social media. No one cares that two people wore the same shirt. This is ridiculous." I was like, "You know what? Maybe we should just go off of Facebook. What is the good that is coming out of this? Are we getting new teammates? Are we getting new clients? Are people liking our stuff? And if the answer is no, then get off. Like that's not where you should put your time. So be smart about it. Time is money. So just." Just try, just just gently try posting something, and you'll know if if people interact with it, you'll you'll know whether you should do it again. Oh yeah, that's that's, that's good. I love that. Here, I actually just saw a question from Irena, and thank you for joining us live. And she asked, she shared, so she gets lots of views on her post, but there's no not much engagement, not much comments, and uh, how can she flip? the views into meaningful interactions and engagement. Any tips you can share? Well, here comes honesty. If you got views and no interaction, you don't have the right content. That's that's the truth. People are looking at it and they're going Zoop, right past it. Um, maybe some of them are stopping and pausing, but they don't feel like you're communicating with them. That probably means you're talking at them and you haven't mastered the art of what do you, your audience want to look at. That means you're getting the impressions, they're seeing it, but they don't care enough to say that they they, they appreciate it or they're not even pushing like. That, that's a bad sign. The opportunity on the, on the other side is that there is tons of opportunity. That means 
try adjusting the way that you write it. If you wrote something that is meaningful to you and you're like, oh, a lot of people saw this, but nobody's interacting, rewrite it. Try asking a question at, a, at the end of it. If you want to be so blunt to make sure, do, do people like this? Put at the top of your post, if you like what I'm saying, please push like. Like, go ahead and be forward and say what you want as, as an outcome. Mm -hmm. But the truth is, if a lot of people are seeing it and nobody's interacting with it, that probably means you haven't nailed your content. Oh, wow. I love this. Like, based on you have worked with so many clients, and uh, what are some, like, do you have a, a secret model or formula to help their content get lots of engagement or what type of content performs better in 2020 compared to other types of content? So any insights you can give us based on uh, the results yeah. you have your content? Sure. Yeah, and I'll say it's, it, brands are uncomfortable with, with a lot of this. So even though we have best practices, it doesn't mean that they want to follow it. it, it let's use the burger example. Um, or actually, we, we'll, use, we'll use a child care uh, facility. Um, if they go, uh, an apple a day keeps the doctor away, and post that with a picture of a teacher, uh, and it gets no interactions, um, why, why would that be? Uh, the picture, nobody cares about. Uh, the statement, we've already heard, you're not giving me anything new. Uh, there's a million brands that I follow on social. Why would I ever interact with that? But if it said, what tips do you have, parents, for how to keep your children healthy during the winter holidays, now all of a sudden, now you've asked the question and you're you're opening it up. And then you might do dot, dot, dot. One tip that we have is make sure that you change their sheets on a daily basis because germs exist in the sheets. Not that I know that that's true or not. Uh, making this up as I go. And the picture is is a kid looking at his bed uh, with no sheets on it. And he's, he's like, oh, where are these? Now all of a sudden you've used some humor. Uh, you've asked a question. You've shared something. Um, you maybe boost it a little bit so that it gets a little bit of momentum going. That seems to be the type of content that works. Uh, I would say 99.9% .9 of Facebook content, and I, I bet you if I did right now, or LinkedIn, it's just, it's just hey, look at me, I'm great, woohoo. Uh, nobody cares, uh, period. At the end of the day, uh, the, the real truth is, and all of you know this, uh, we care about ourselves and our families, one. Uh, and we don't care about brands. We just don't. Yeah, so if that's the case, then allow us to have a voice about what is important to us, which is us and our families, period. Yeah, so true. And then on the other hand, you see people who have gone crazy, they go to the other extreme. They share content, millions of views, but has nothing to do with their business. They are not leveraging that. Just like funny or like i see that more and more on linkedin it is just like a motivational platform i'm like just like really funny a dance and uh like a cat a dog whatever like to grab people's attention but there's not much substance it's definitely not aligned with their business and then what's the point they, yeah they they are the they won the popularity contest that, that's exactly what it is and yeah. yeah look people love drama that's why there's reality television and so many people watch it uh, so many people watch injuries uh, when it happens. Someone gets gets hit in the private parts, and everybody laughs about that. A cat falls off of a tree. People laugh at that. All right. So yes, we we love humor and dumb stuff as human beings. Uh, but is that going to drive your business? I would ask that question. And do you want to win the popularity contest, or do you want to make money? That, that exactly. that's the question. 
popularity, you cannot deposit that into a bank. No way. Yeah, as far as I know, right? So you are the CEO of No Limit Agency, and you created this from scratch. You have also scaled the company. How many people do you have now, staff, on your team? Uh, just under 40. That's pretty impressive. Within a relatively short period of time. So if you can, if you can reflect on your journey, what are some like some things that you did right that really helped you get to where you are today that you want to share with us? Many of us we are kind of solopreneurs, small yeah. business owners. We want to grow, right? Who does want to grow? Raise your hand. Let me know if you want to grow or not. So for us, we want to grow. Eventually, have a team. So what are some like tips that you can share with us so that we can grow and um, you know scale? Yeah. So I, I you can you can understand this about me. I'm not. About Oh, I lost you. I can't hear you anymore. I have no idea what happened, but can you guys still hear me? I can't hear you. No voice. <laughs> oh, I can't. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I lost. Oh. How about now? Yay! Yeah, like people cannot hear you. People cannot hear me. I was like, what's that? like? Maybe you can repeat. What was? What did I ask you? I know we already lost you. What was my question? I got panicked for a second. What did I ask? Uh, yeah, the the question was, how, how did we grow our business? Yeah, sorry. And then after that, there was just no sound. We just came back. Yeah. I just told the most amazing story ever. And now it is it is forever lost. I will not say it again. No, um, the 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 bottom line is uh, the thing that I I would say the most impactful thing to to growth is people um, do not look at uh, what money you make in the short term, uh, overspend, uh, be willing to take losses, um, be willing to hustle, uh, be willing to shake hands and kiss babies, um, be kind. Um, and I, was, I said at the beginning, I've done pl plenty of things wrong. That's where the, the wrinkles in the gray hair comes from. Um, but the things that I'm most proud of is com commitment to the mission, um, and trying to do a little bit better every day. I think, I think so many people focus on this light at the end of the tunnel that, that is really, really far away. And when you break that light up into single days and you look at 
what am I going to accomplish today? And there's a tiny little light at the end of that day. Biting off the microscopic things um, end up working really well. Um, and I also think this life is short. Uh, we're reminded it every, social media reminds us every day that life is short. Uh, we see deaths, uh, we see disease, uh, we see pain. Um, and knowing that and you live every day uh, with um, integrity and uh, purpose uh, and you do your best, that's, that's all you can really do. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. I, I love her mission, you know, so many mistakes. I also made so many mistakes on my very much shorter journey. I wonder if you can be vulnerable and share with us your, your favorite mistake. I don't know if that makes sense. Your favorite mistake and uh, what is the biggest lesson you have learned from that favorite mistake or failure? Um, first of all, that sounds like a 90s Alanis Morissette song. So I'm sure it's somewhere out there, my favorite mistake. Um, it probably is a song. Um, boy, my, my, my favorite mistake. I mean, you know, I, it probably, probably not, and this, this is more of a bucket, it's probably not listening uh, to the indicators um, as much as, as I should, and I'll say it's, it, it's finding a happy medium. Because if you're only as good as your people, you have to listen to what's important to them. So our media relations philosophy, and this, this goes back to day one, um, was pick up the phone, call a reporter and say, hey, I have a story for you, versus picking up the phone and calling and saying, have you seen my press release? When I was a journalist, which I was before I went to the dark side and became a publicist, um, I would get these calls from these PR people and I hated them. And they would say, have you seen my press release? I'm like, I get a hundred freaking emails an hour. No, I haven't seen your press release. Tell me what the story is. So when we engineered our business, we said, we're going to do phone calls. We're going to measure KPIs based on phone calls because phone calls will create action. Um, and you know, the, the, look here, here, here's a super vulnerable thing. Go, go Google, um, our agency and read the Glassdoor reviews. There are certainly positive ones and we've done a lot to get it into a positive place. Um, I am called a tyrant, I am called a bully, which is a painful word to be called. Um, um, I, I'm told my business will fail tomorrow. Okay, be, behind that, there are some truths. So it took a while for me to be able to be mature enough to say, let me try to listen to the, the the threats or challenges to the business and try to make adjustments. So today we've we've adjusted our model to meet somewhere in the middle with our media relations team, so that they're not disgruntled by the fact that they have to phone pitch. Um, it, it's not like it's perfect, um, but I would say that's 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 the bucket of my uh, my mistake. Trying to listen to the indicators uh, better and faster, and being willing to to adjust based on what others are saying. Totally. I, I think that's such a great point. You know, I talk so much about education and I, I think that really speaks to the importance of emotional intelligence, right? How well can you see the signs, the like high EQ, right? Yeah, I love that example. Thank you for sharing with us. And so share with us, yeah, your uh, your book. What's the book about? Yeah, so the book the book is called Sticks and Stones, um, and it follows my my philosophy on an equation, which would be foundation plus momentum equals velocity. Foundation is the tough moment that you hit in life that in the in the in the moment it feels really painful. Uh, later on, you look back at it and you say, "Oh, that's really energy." I was tired of people saying I wasn't good enough. Uh, I was tired of of uh, self doubt. I was tired of whatever. Um, and everybody has something, whether they had bad parents, 
they had a death in their family, uh, they were bullied, whatever it is, everybody has something in their foundational story. And when you're able to look at that and say, let me look at that as fuel, uh, you have a shot to win. The second part of the book would be the in, in momentum. Momentum is the stage where you're like, all right, I recognize that that's fuel. Now let me start leveraging some of my assets um, to get things going. When you start using some of that, now all of a sudden you get a shot to get going. And then when you hit velocity, you go through all the brick walls. Um, in, in sports, we all know Tom Brady uh, as arguably the greatest football player that's ever lived, Tom Brady was overlooked by every NFL team six times over before he got drafted. He had to wait mm -hmm. on the bench before he got his shot to play. When he started playing, that chip on the shoulder. Michael Jordan was cut from his basketball team. Uh, Walt Disney was told he's not creative. Mm -hmm. uh, Albert Einstein was told that he's dumb. So you look at all these people and, and shame on humans because then you build a beast. And when a beast is created, it's hard to stop them. So I, I use my story as a journey as an entrepreneur to how I've uh, found some success today, not ultimate success. Um, and I wrote it uh, in a way to say, hey, everyone, uh, recognize your story and use it as a, as a part of your fuel to, to make you accomplish really cool things. Wow, I love it. You know, I love this. I want to be this crazy. You can't stop it. Yeah. So what are your uh, favorite uh, business productivity tools that you can share with us? You know, I'm sure you have. You have another company that you just launched, and uh, so you, you also being so productive. So, what are some tools that you use to remain like productive? Um, all right. Well, so tool one, uh, you know, I, I run a technology company, but paper. <laughs> I literally still write down my to do list on there. I like the the art and feeling of of circling in one of my dots when I finish something. Uh, I don't need technology for that. Um, as a business, we use HubSpot, uh, and we've used it. It's obviously for shaped for a sales CRM. Uh, we actually use it to monitor our writing, so it takes us all the way through the process. Is it being edited? Who's read it? Uh, what stage is it in the funnel? Has it gone live on our sites? Um, we use it for our media relations. Our account team builds the pitch. It goes in. We measure the calls that are going out and the, and the reactions. We can manage the content database. Um, if anybody ever leaves our company, it's a great system to be able to say, all right, let's transfer this on to, um, mm -hmm. to the next person. Our digital team uses Monday uh, as a project management tool. Mm -hmm. uh, Slack is obviously one that, that works well. Uh, those They use those as integration um, for some of the creative management. Um, but, you know, uh, blocking and tackling. Uh, Google Calendar uh, is great. Uh, social media is fantastic for getting great ideas. Um, th those are the things that, that that I use. Pen and paper and the fundamentals. Uh, I don't need anything that, that fancy uh, to organize what we're trying to do. Yeah, what is Monday about? I saw them on Facebook and uh, on YouTube ads quite a few times, but I never give this a try. So yeah, what it's is a, for? It, it's basically a project management tool. Um, so our okay. creatives use it to, to, to monitor where their projects are because because a HubSpot isn't as, as project manager focused. Um, it's more of a CRM. We use it in that way, um, but Monday is more um, sound for what our creatives are trying to do. Interesting. I wonder how many of you guys use Monday in the comment section. I love using Asana for my project management. I love, love, love love of sauna so i'm going to check out uh, monday to see if i you know we have some chemistry so this is great and where 
Uh, can people learn more about you and um, your company and share sure. the screen? Yeah. So I am the only Nick Powell's in the world, uh, thanks to some old generation changing our uh, our name from uh, Pavelitis to, to Powell's. Uh, so if you Google me, P-O-W-I-L-L-S, uh, you will find uh, me all over the place, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, but find me on LinkedIn. I uh, would love to connect with anybody. Uh, you can find me on Facebook if you if you care to see uh, pictures of my children um, and me arguing about Chicago sports. Um, but I'm I'm in the normal stuff. I we also run a publication called 1851franchise.com, uh, and I write a weekly column every every Thursday. It publishes at four, um, so you can always read what whatever crazy thought is is on my mind. Well, do you actually produce the content yourself or you outsource to your team members? Uh, no, and I'm a crazy person. Um, I usually write them three months in advance and it, 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 the craziest thing happens. They, they, I forget about what I wrote about and they run and it more times than not, whatever I wrote about in the future uh, ends up having some sort of impact that week. What, whatever was going on uh, in my head as I, as I brainstormed that out. So I'm, I've already written all mine through, um, through July. Uh, and I will continue to say that far ahead because uh, I, I love writing. Uh, it's, it's, it's obviously been a part of my career. Well, I love that. Just, uh, I want to do a quick uh, screen share because I see some uh, Irina was asking about Asana. And uh, I just want to show, do a quick screen share. I really, have you ever heard of it, uh, Nick Asana? Yep, and we've we've used it with our some of our web development partners for managing those those projects. It it, it it's a similar tool to the other ones uh, that we use, but Asana has been one of the ones that we use. Yeah, yeah. So I want to uh, give uh, Irina a quick screen share so you kind of know. I love how you can. It's almost like a combination of Trello and uh, you know what other tools you use. So here is I'm I'm getting ready to launch my program. Uh, which is called Life Accelerator. We teach uh, young children, young adults, what they are not learning from school. So I'm actually creating my pathway, which is my methodology. And you can see how I brainstorm. So I create like kind of pillars here. And it's such a great way for me. I color code and uh, I'm showing all of my secrets here. And so the content, I add links, attachment. It is just a great way to add, you know, like things like, yeah. So check it out if you are now interested. And uh, thank you so much, Nick, for a great conversation. And our guest of honor for next Wednesday is John White. And he writes for large publications, is a social media influencer himself. And if there is a specific topic that you want us to talk about, let me know in the comment section. You know, I'm learning from you, Nick, to engage my audience. If there is something that you are interested in, let me know in the comment section, please. And uh, thank you so much again, Nick, for a great interview, great conversation. Everyone, follow them, check them out. And here again is their website. And uh, I hope to see you guys again next Wednesday, same time, same location. Enjoy the rest of your day. Bye. Bye. <laughs>